Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Robbie Freeman, VP of Digital Experience and CNIO at Mount Sinai Health System. I'm Kate Gamble, Managing Editor and Director of Social Media. In this segment, Freeman talks about how his team is leveraging AI and digital tools to reimagine the way care is delivered, why they've adopted a hybrid agile operating model, how having a background in clinical and quality improvement has helped shape him as a leader, and what he learned by getting back in the trenches. So um, thanks again. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I wanted to uh, talk about a few things, but looking right away at your role, VP of Digital Experience and CNIO, not something we see a lot, but certainly seems to make sense. So <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about that? Glad to, yeah. And so the two roles really come together nicely. So I'm responsible um, here at Mount Sinai for a few different teams and areas. On the digital experience side, we have our digital experience team where we're bringing to life um, the different uh, digital products and solutions that are used by patients and also really thinking through um, what are the tools that we want our workforce to have um, when they come to work. I'm also responsible for our clinical data science team. We build machine learning and AI products, mainly focused around patient care. So trying to predict different risk scores and, and safety events that can happen in the hospital, for example, who may be likely to fall or become delirious or end up in the ICU or be malnourished. And then at CNIO, I have a team of nurse informaticists and um, we're really the translators between our clinicians and the technology teams. And so we have nurses that are um, based at our hospitals and nurses that are supporting our service lines. And I work as a dyad with our CMIO to really support the clinical you know, operations across the health system. And so there's a lot of synergy between the different areas, the work we're doing on digital, um, the work we're doing in AI, and the work we're doing in informatics. So it does come together nicely. And you know, I'm always looking for opportunities to cross-pollinate across the teams and make sure that, you know, we're there supporting the important enterprise initiatives. Yeah. Like I said, it really does seem to make sense, especially considering the fact that, you know, you have digital and nursing, and there are so many different ways in which various digital technologies can apply to nursing. So it makes sense to marry those two. And there's so much talk about digital transformation, specifically AI in healthcare, but really wanted to focus on the nursing aspects and, and where you really see that potential. Sure. I think that digital and AI have a lot to offer in terms of adding value to the work that our nursing team is doing. Um, some of the things that we're excited about, we're expanding our virtual nursing program. And we know that when we can um, leverage virtual care team members to assist with things like documentation and patient education, that is a really good use of digital and, and virtual care. We're also looking at ways that AI can help save time and streamline. And so some of the streamlining is more of a kind of manual process where we're going through all of the different documentation tasks that we've added over the years and we're removing things and we're tracking closely how much time our nursing team is spending in the system. And we've been making some progress in terms of eliminating all of those documentation tasks that we, we've added over time. But to take it a step further, one of the projects that'll be coming down the pike working with both Epic and OpenAI uh, through our partnership with Microsoft Azure is ways that we can use Gen AI to help 
summarize information, support our nursing care planning, support things like change of shift, where it can be important to make sure that all the key information gets handed off from one clinician to the next. We know that that's a time where information can get lost and things mm-hmm. can fall through the cracks. So uh, that's one way where generative AI can add value and help ensure we are keeping our patients safe and having efficient communication. More broadly on the provider side, we're also starting to pilot some of the capabilities to support the in-basket messages. So mm-hmm. as we've been focused on digital and expanded, you know, the number of patients that use our app, My Mount Sinai, and got into a really large scale there, there's a corresponding increase in the number of messages. And so we're looking at ways that generative AI can help support that. Not that we want to take the human uh, clinician out of the loop, but we think that we can help with you know, efficiency and kind of getting rid of or um, automating things that are more administrative in nature. That way we can spend our time on the highest value areas. And I think that over the next six months to a year, you know, we're really going to see a whole lot of generative AI kind of making its way, you know, into healthcare. Another example is just the opportunities with conversational AI. So we launched on our on our website, through our app, also in our call centers, a conversational AI platform where we can, for a lot of the, especially the less complex questions that patients may have, they may want to take a scheduling action. They may have a frequently asked question. They may want to do things like refill prescriptions, and we're building automated flows to help support that, where we can get an immediate answer to the patient and not have to step it up to human support, except for those cases that are going to require, have that extra level of complexity. And so we think generative AI, conversational AI, is going to help get patients to where they need to go much quicker and more efficiently. And then we can have our team members focus on the highest value, you know, work for the areas that they're supporting. Yeah. And what you're talking about is these really practical use cases that I think are really are going to translate pretty well. You know, that that's some of the, the concerns that people have had with AI is kind of focusing on these vague ideas or the cool text, but that sounds like this is areas where it could really make an impact. That's right. And we want to make sure that we're spending our time and energy on areas that are pain points for our patients. And so mm. our team takes uh, what I call an experience-led approach. And what I mean by that is that we want to be co-designing these solutions with our patients, and we want to be capturing the voice of our end users, our patients, and our clinical teams, and our frontline teams along the way. So I'll give you one example. One of the things we heard doing focus groups was that patients would have a great experience when they come in and meet with our providers, but once the provider leaves the room, they feel kind of lost. I'm like, what do I do next? Where do I go from here? And so we launched a simple checklist that we call my next steps. And so at the end of the visit, patients can see this is, I may have a follow-up referral. I may have medications to fill. I may have some education. And we build in nudges and notifications to help patients stay on track with those next steps in a simple checklist. One of the other areas we heard was that when it's time to seek care, let's say when patients start having symptoms, can be a little confusing where to go. Do I go to urgent care? Do I call my PCP? If I have a PCP, do I do a video visit, go to the ED, right? There's a lot of options these days. So um, we also launched a product called Check Symptoms and Get Care, both off the web, off our My Mount Sinai app. And that allows patients to enter what's going on, enter their symptoms, 
Um, we match it. We use AI and it gets matched with evidence-based guidelines. And then they get a recommendation so they can be in the driver's seat around where should they go for care and why. And they can one click, you know, book into book into their appointment or get in the queue for an on-demand visit. Uh, we want to help patients when they need to navigate through that decision making. So that's just a couple of examples of how we're being experience-led, how our AI tools are supporting patients along their care journey. We're also being really intentional about ensuring that these tools are accessible to the mm -hmm. diverse communities that we serve. We want to ensure that we're really focused on getting things translated into the languages, preferred languages our patients speak, and um, partnering in the community to make sure that these tools are accessible. Yeah, I'd seen some of the research I did that this focus on ethical use of AI, it's so important. And Can you talk a little bit more detail about what you guys are doing there? Yeah, so our health system has a AI governance structure, and we have set our own guidelines around what we expect both from AI products that are developed internally by our in-house teams and also the vendors that we partner with. And we want to make sure that, number one, we understand how it works so we can measure prospectively the performance. And so we have a process to measure kind of how the models work. That's true if they're coming from our EMR vendor, coming from another third party or coming internally. And then we want to make sure that we're asking questions and checking for bias, because we know that if you build these AI tools on biased data sets, you're going to get a product that carries forward and can amplify that bias. And we don't want that to happen. So we um, have a process where we can check for bias. We've done some work around algorithm bias and doing things like seeing how it works across different racial groups and seeing if there's variation. And that's uh, been a collaboration with some researchers in our school of medicine. And we're continuing to refine how we can really ensure that uh, these tools are safe, free from bias, or that we can address the bias and that you know, that's all done before they ever get used for patient care. Really interesting. That governance piece is, sounds like it's it's really important to have. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's the only way to ensure that we really understand kind of how these products are working um, before they make their ways to the patients. And, you know, it takes over time kind of building our internal uh, capacity to uh, to be able to do this has been really important. We're also, it's one of the items that we discuss with our cloud partners as well, um, partners like Microsoft, who are also offering um, some tools around better understanding kind of how the AI products are working within an environment. Right. Kind of along those lines, how are you working to incorporate like social determinants into, into care plans? So we do have a health system effort uh, that's focused on social determinants of health. On the nursing informatics side, um, we've worked to make sure that the questions are easy to assess with our patients and that this, uh, when we do have areas that require attention, we can make it very visible through icons that are front and center for our nursing team. So a lot of the work we've done is to make sure that those social determinants uh, that need to be addressed are both visible and actionable and that mm -hmm. we've been streamlining the documentation so that we're not asking multiple things in different places. So for example, there's questions around transportation needs. We didn't want to have that in three separate places to document. So we've been aligning the documentation so that we can ask questions, you know, like that once and it will populate the different views within the EMR where we need to see that information. Right. 
And that's also um, a patient satisfier too, not having to answer the question. Yeah. So we're very much pro kind of patient reported information. And there's many examples of how we're using, whether it's our MyMountSinai app um, or other means to collect information. And the goal is over time to not have to continue to, you know, we don't want to continue to ask the same question when we don't need to. Yeah. Okay. Going back a little bit to the open AI you're working on with Epic to use, you know, generative AI. Can you talk a little bit more about like kind of where that is right now? So we expect that in the coming weeks and months, we'll have uh, a number of the use cases up and running. We're still being very measured around doing this on a small scale first. So we want to get Mm -hmm. it right on a pilot scale and make sure we're measuring, understanding the performance We know that hallucinations are a thing with the large language models. So we really want to make sure we understand it at a manageable and small scale. So initially, these will be um, smaller pilots. And then depending on what we see with those initial results, that will determine how quickly and how wide we'll go um, based on those evaluations from those pilots. And is that something you've done before, just as far as almost like co-developing or really working closely with vendors on these types of things? Yeah, I would say yes. There's a lot of parallels with kind of quality improvement work. And before I was working in the technology department, I was working in quality improvement and working with the IHI. And they like to start with like, let's say one patient, one doctor, one patient, one nurse, get it right on a very small scale. And I think the same holds true for our technology projects where we want to get it right on a small scale, work out any kinks, make sure we understand it, and then grow from there. And that's the approach we're taking with Gen AI. We want to get it right in those smaller pilots and then you know learn from that, make any adjustments, and then scale it from there. Yeah, it seems like a pretty good blueprint. Going too big too fast just doesn't traditionally hold up a lot of times. Okay. Yeah, and oftentimes it's not the technology that's the barrier. It's mm-hmm. more around the change management getting the buy-in to ensure we have the adoption. So that's oftentimes the thing that decides like how quickly we can scale. Uh, One of the projects is really around how quickly we can make sure we have the engagement and buy-in and the change necessary intensity of change management for for the projects that we're working on. You mentioned before focus groups that you use. So that involves patients, but then also people on the clinical side or what's usually the approach with those? So the way that we've set up our digital team is we have what we call the experience lab and the experience lab are doing our research, our focus groups, our data, market research, and coming up with the product concepts. And then, um, so that includes talking to the end users and the example I gave around um, check systems and get care. A lot of that was talking to patients and consumers in our market to hear about their pain points. Once we have that vision of what we want to bring to life, we have our digital studio that does the actual developments. So um, our digital studio will build out the products and uh, the initial you know, MVP, and then we'll iterate from there and continue to improve over time. We have what we call a hybrid agile model, operating model. So we've tried to take a lot of the principles from agile and incorporate that into the way we work. And that also helps us move at the speed that we need to do to, uh, that we need to move at to really um, move forward these initiatives. Okay, so I do wanna talk a bit about your background. 
just because so much of this is really coming out in what you're saying, but you started out on the front lines, right? Working uh, bedside care. That's right. Yeah. So I worked as a bedside nurse here within the Mount Sinai health system. And that was my first six years was, you know, caring for patients, really love kind of working at the bedside and, and, and having those interactions uh, with patients. But I did have some frustrations. A lot of them were around our EMR and some of the technology at the time. So I ended up just out of that, my own kind of frustration with the system, taking on projects, just like volunteering to solve for things. So one of the first projects I worked on, it was about 14 years ago, was building a, like a digital process for medication requests. So at the time we had these paper forms we would fill out when we needed like something from the pharmacy. It was like a carbon copy, three triplicate form, and you would like write what you needed. And then you'd like walk down to a window and like wait for the medications And it sounds so kind of trivial, like now looking back, but basically I just created like a little web form where you could fill out, you could put in the the patient, the the order you needed, and it would print in the pharmacy and someone would bring it back to the unit. But we measured this and like all this nursing time and nursing assistant time was actually being spent, like trying to get medications from the pharmacy and we were able to, and then meanwhile, patients were calling, the call bells were going off, et cetera. So we were able to reinvest into time spent at the bedside and um, ended up helping to support some work through an IHI program called Transforming Care at the Bedside, which was looking at how do we reduce that non-value at a time uh, that's keeping us away from patients. And so kind of accidentally fell into this like world of quality improvement, healthcare technology. Eventually, like the chief nursing officer offered me a job and then um, had the chance from there to work for our president and chief operating officer at the Mount Sinai Hospital and support many of our um, service lines working out of hospital administration. So areas like respiratory care, we started a data science team, we I supported our ED, so got to really get that view, the business side of um, healthcare administration and run you know large departments out of hospital administration. And then about three years ago, our chief digital and information officer reached out about joining the technology department for the role I have today. And it just was a great opportunity to work at scale across the eight hospitals and the health system and go from supporting work at one, you know, one one site to system-wide, which has been a wonderful learning and growing opportunity. Yeah, you can affect a lot of people. It seems like um, that really did provide a pretty solid background, not just patient care, which is so important, but then also quality and really getting these different um, experiences. Exactly. Yeah, it wasn't quite a straight line. It's been a little bit of a zigzag, but it's been um, a collection of experiences. And along the way, I went back as I got more interested in data science and AI, I went back to program at the NYU Business School then went back to school again right now. I'm finishing up a doctorate program. So kind of look for opportunities along the way for, for learning and growing. Yeah. The initiative you were talking about, that seems like um, a really fitting example of, of innovation. I could see how that got you interested in, in doing more and maybe at a bigger scale. Absolutely. And I think, you know, nowadays with our capabilities with digital and with AI, there's so many opportunities to reimagine the way that we work. Using these tools as enablers, you really can kind of start from a blank slate. And oftentimes, not only are you able to improve the patient experience, you can work more efficiently and you can really position the organization to differentiate and, you know, work more efficiently. Yeah. 
It's interesting, but it seems like your experience has also shaped how you think about innovation and kind of what it takes to to drive that. Yeah. And I think kind of growing up through the trenches has been helpful. Yeah. I actually started my career as like a volunteer, worked as a nursing assistant, worked as a frontline nurse, and kind of got to see um, healthcare at different yeah. altitudes. So at each level, your kind of perspective expands. Mm-hmm. And that has been invaluable because you really do get to see so many different perspectives of the healthcare system. And I really, when I talk to early career people interested in healthcare, interested in leadership, I always encourage them to try and get to see the healthcare system from different perspectives. And I think it's so important, um, makes you more well-rounded as a leader as you kind of progress along your career. Yeah. And that kind of segues into one of the last things I wanted to talk about was I had seen on on your LinkedIn that maybe it was at one point last year, how you you went in and worked to shift in the ED because, you know, there was a need. And can you talk a little bit about like what that was like for you from your perspective now? I think a lot of the skills come back really quickly. So mm-hmm. um, I prioritize getting out there and rounding and being present. And this was it may have been about two years ago now, um, during COVID, one of our surges, we really needed, we were really challenged from a staffing perspective and people were stepping in. And I asked my team members, our nurses to step in. And if I'm going to ask them to do it, of course, I need to hold myself accountable as well. So I volunteered to support you know, one of our ADs that were in need. And it came back very quickly and it was like a wonderful experience just to be able to be there to support folks, to help out where I could and to get to work with patients again. So it was, it was great. I got a lot out of it and um, was just an opportunity to help, you know, team members in a time of need. Yeah. And even though you're not exactly far removed from that, I would think it was a good reminder to really always be thinking about those who are at the at the front line and, and making things as easy for them as possible. Yeah, we have to. And many of our best ideas come from the people doing the work. And that's been a principle that, you know, I've really subscribed to is that you got to spend time with the people doing the work. And I'll give an example this year. Um, one of our members of our WOCN team, WOCN is Wound Awesome Care Nurses. They help patients, especially who have like skin integrity, skin issues, um, reached out and said, hey, I have a great idea. Can we build an AI tool to figure out who are the highest risk patients who are going to may end up with a pressure injury? So at some of our hospitals, like our main campus, it's a really large place and we need to prioritize. And so that's exactly what we did. We partnered and we co-designed. We worked on a solution to help flag you know, who on any given day is the highest uh, risk for developing a pressure injury. And we recently um, brought that product live. And so many of these ideas come from the frontline team, like the best ideas come from the team. And I think it's really important as leaders that, you know, we're out there and staying in touch and staying engaged because um, especially these days where a lot of things are virtual, spend a lot of time on, on Zoom, still need to make sure we make time and space to spend time with um, the folks out there doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. I know that that's not possible for all leaders to do that exactly, but it, it speaks to the value of, like you said, being on the front lines or at least talking closely to, to those who are. Yeah. And like, there's the virtual equivalent of having mm-hmm. Zoom kind of meetings and virtual kind of meet and greets and chances to connect uh, through technology. So yeah, 
certainly has to be specific to kind of the, the setting in which you're working. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that that's about what I had. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it and enjoyed hearing about your story and what you guys are doing. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Kate. Anytime. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.